in our darkest moments, we often wonder how we could ever get over it and get through. Today's guest has gone through something that most people hope they would never experience and could imagine they could never get through, but she did. We'll talk about that today. Welcome back to the Get Over It Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Christopher Fasano. Before we begin today's episode, I just want to remind everyone the best place to get new episodes of the show is to subscribe to your favorite pod player, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You can also watch these interviews uh, on YouTube, so please check YouTube out. Give it a subscribe. If you're really enjoying the show, we ask you please to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That way, other people can learn more about the show. It'll help it move up in the rankings and more people can learn how to get over it. Okay, so I'm really excited and humbled to have our guest today on the show. Our guest is Jennifer Hendricks-Fogg. She is an independent benefits consultant for Affleck and the founder and president of the Logan Strong Foundation, which provides support services for to pediatric cancer patients and their families. Um, she's also, also the author of Tiny Miracles. I have the book here, so I'm going to show everyone the book here, A Mother's Journey of Finding Faith Through Childhood Cancer. Um, it's an incredible story, and I'm, you can hear me like getting emotional already. I hope I can make it through the whole interview. So uh, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Okay, so I really want to talk to you a lot about this, um, but I want to understand, you know, I've just met you. So sure. tell me about yourself. Are you from this area up here? Yep. Where are you from? I'm, a re- I'm born and raised in Colony. Okay. Um, so Colony High grad. So for everyone who's not from this area, Colony, New York is, is it Albany County? Yep. Where are we? It's Albany County. Yep. It's like about 10 minutes from where we are in Albany, yep. about north. West a yep. little bit. And fun fact, I don't know if you knew this, Colony is actually the largest township in America. You know, I think I someone told me that recently. <laughs> it's crazy. Fun fact, yeah. I know. It's a yeah. it's an awesome place. There's so much to do out in yeah. Colony. It really is. Yep. So yep. you were born there yep. and you lived there. You yep. went to school there. Yep. High school. Yep. Public school. Yep. Correct. And then college. I did. I went to Hudson Valley. Oh, okay. All yep. right, great. So you've been here. Local. Yeah, I lived out of state. I lived in California for a little bit, lived in Florida for a little bit, but New York has always brought me back. So well, how I lived in Florida for college. How was your experience getting away from New York? Did you like it? Um, I if I went back to California right now to visit, I don't think I'd come home. Really? I love California. So you loved it. Florida, not so much. Yeah, I can never live back in Florida. No, I don't mind. Although my Florida. wife and I will frequently like in the dead of winter be like what are we doing? Why are we here? We should just move to Florida. And then like we go to Florida to visit and I'm like, yeah, but it's Florida. It's flat. (laughs) Nothing against Florida. It's flat and it's humid. Not for me. Where in California did you go? Northern California. Northern California. Redding, Chico area. Mm, It's beautiful. Absolutely. The climate is so different too in California, wherever you are. I never understood the difference between heat and humidity until I lived on the West Coast. Yep. And I still remember. um, Oh man, I know. There was a day when I I lived out there. It was a record setting high of 120 degrees. God. Sitting in the hot tub, looking at the mountains covered in snow. That's bizarre. I don't ski or surf, but it's like the only place you can go that where you could crazy. do the same to both in the same day. Humidity is something that like is just offensive. I lived in Agreed. Miami. Oof. And it's one thing if you go to visit Miami. You go to visit Miami, you go in the fall, you go in the winter, whatever. It's beautiful. It's like tropical. You live in Miami through a summer, it's like stifling. I mean, humidity is like it gets humid. I'm talking like you feel it, you know, like you can't, when you put, you can put your hands through it. It's you can't like, breathe. And people are like, hey, why aren't you at the beach today? I'm like, beach? What are you nuts? I'm not leaving my house. It's funny how that happens, right? You go to a warm place, you stay inside of the air conditioning, you live in the winter, you stay inside in the heat. It's like humans, I feel like are never really happy with wherever they are. <laughs> True story. It's, it's really what happens. <laughs> um, okay. So then um, 
you meet your husband around here or is he local yes. too? Yep. Okay. Yep. So my husband's from Scotia. Okay. We actually met, um, for those of people that are local at O'Toole's, which is like, yes, I know it's O'Toole's. like, the, it's like the local cheers. Okay. Um, but interesting enough, I met my husband 25 years ago. I used to date one of his friends when I was younger. Oh, man, I love these stories. So I knew his name, but like I wouldn't know him if I tripped over him. Um, so we reconnected and it just happened. It just clicked. You know, we were in our mid thirties when we, when we met, um, which is interesting because typically at that age, there's, you know, exes, children, and, and, and neither right. of us had that. Right. So it was, it was a nice fresh start for the both of us. And you've been married. You're still married. We're still married. And you've been married. We've been married now seven years. Seven years. Uh, okay. We've been together 11, I believe. Okay. okay. And so then, um, like many marriages, you decide that you want to have children. Yep. Um, and from what I read about you, you went through IVF to have Correct. your child. Correct. Okay. And, and I don't know if you're comfortable telling me this, yeah. but was it that you couldn't conceive or it was just that it was part of your time of your life? I was and, old. Okay. All <laughs> I right. was old. And you was like a timing thing? Correct. Okay. So right. we, we tried for about six months and the doctor said, typically they, they tell people to try for about a year. Okay. But because I was 39 at the time. Okay. They said, you know, try for six months. And then there was nothing wrong with my husband or I, both, okay. both of our tests were fine. And it was basically just a steroid shot okay. that just get you going and they, and they, so you they time, fairly, they time everything. And you conceived fairly soon or no? It Initially. A, okay. As soon as we okay. went to, to IVF, they gave me the shot. They tell you when to do the deed and then they tell you when to take the pregnancy test and okay. it worked like clockwork. Okay. So, so first shot and done. And where was, what hospital did you have, have him at? Albany Med. Albany Med. Okay. So, um, the pregnancy, everything was normal with your pregnancy? Or is it like- For the most for part. For the most part? Yeah, okay. so when I got pregnant, I knew um, because of my age, and I was born at Albany Med, even though we currently live in Scotia, so there's other hospitals closer, I knew I wanted to give birth at Albany Med because God forbid there was something wrong with right. me or my child, right. I would they be in the right. right place. Yes, that's for sure, yep. So um, at my, and because of my age, I luckily enough had extra ultrasounds so they were monitoring me and the baby. And at our last ultrasound, they noticed that there was fluid on my son's brain. Okay. So we were at the doctor's the entire day that day, just trying to figure how things out. How far into the pregnancy? How far is I this? I was about 35 weeks at okay. this point. Okay. All right. And, um, but that's all they could tell. That's all they could ascertain it to that correct. point. Correct. Okay. And then a week later, they scheduled me for an emergency MRI to find out what was going on. Doing an MRI when you're 35 weeks pregnant is not comfortable. Do you fit in all. the tube? Thing? Ba- barely. It was, it was yeah, so uncomfortable. Cause I, I went for an MRI so for my shoulder for the first time. And this is a little bit, they're a little bit bigger nowadays. And yeah. even that like got me a little, like my heart started racing a little bit. It was a little uncomfortable. Well, but. it was interesting enough too, at the time, I don't recall the reasoning, but Albany Med had literally a tractor trailer outside of that part of the hospital because they had so many MRIs they were doing or the machines were getting fixed. I don't know. And I, I had oh. to go into a tractor trailer and have the MRI. Like oh, it was boy. this whole setup. So it was, it was, it was. So they wanted to see what they can find. Correct. So did they, what did they see so at that point? So they found, they found it was a brain bleed. So okay. I had the MRI that morning and by like five or six o'clock, the doctor hadn't called. So I was like, oh, everything must be okay. Around seven o'clock that night, the doctor called and said, so we want you to check into the hospital tomorrow for further testing. And right then and there, I knew- You were like, something's not right. I I knew something was wrong. I knew that when I went into the hospital the next day, I was having a kid. Right. And I said to my husband, I go, we're having a kid tomorrow. He's like, no, we're not. But is that all they told you though on the phone? Okay. But I did ask her, I said, 
should I pack a bag? Right. Like, should, right. should I like pack my bag? Should right. I pack the baby's bag? She's like, oh, you may want to just to be safe. So we get to the hospital and the radiologist basically told us that he had uh, a deadly platelet, platelet disorder called NAIT, N-A-I-T, and he did not have a good bedside manner at all. And I looked him in the face and I had a few choice words for him. And I said, get him out and fix him. Right. Like, I, don't, this is not, it's not an option here. Yeah. Right. So then the NICU doctor came in and he was so kind and so generous and so sweet. Which I got to say, if that's going to be your job, like in the NICU, and you're going to be dealing with, you know, newborns with issues, mm-hmm. you better be able to like yeah. have like a communication style. The radiologist was like awful. People and are I, at their, it's like a disastrous point in someone's life, you mm-hmm. know, like, and you're going to give them not great news mm-hmm. or there's, you're dealing with situations. So I have to imagine, I hope that's part of the gig, yeah. but not always. The radiologist, not so much, but the NICU doctor, and I can't remember his last name to say the life of me because he told me to call him by his first name. So I always call him Dr. Michael. Mm-hmm. He basically said, look, we don't know what it is. It could be a million things, right. but we need to get him out and, and figure so it out. So we can figure it out, right. So he gave us the choice. Uh, they gave me steroid injections to help the baby's lungs. And they said, you know, you can do an extra dose tomorrow and we can, we can you know, do an emergency C-section tomorrow or we can do it today. And I was like, well, what do you think? And he goes, it's your choice. He goes, but babies younger have survived. So I was like, let's just do it. So we did it that day. I had an okay. emergency C-section in Albany Med's a teaching hospital. Right. So yeah. I remember- I went to Albany Med for my doctorate. So like I, I yeah, yeah. We're so lucky to have them here. Um, and I remember as they were, she told me she was going to cut me open wider than normal because there was a brain bleed right. and they wanted to make sure that right. they had enough there room was to no, get them out. Yep. And I remember her saying, and again, I don't remember the doctor's name um, because there were students there. She said, I'm taking the baby out. Like she's right. no the one's, one. We're not messing nope, around here. No, nope, right. she did it. Right. And it was like, it was a drive-by. They were like, here's your kid. And that and was it. Off he went into this room, like over here. And I got to like kiss his cheek and then he was gone. So, so now you, you're, you're in recovery, you're recovering. How long before they come to tell you anything? Did they, did they? So it took me about eight hours to recover. Okay. My husband got to hold him first. Okay. You know, the, the, the one thing I wanted, I remember is that I just want to hear him cry. Right. And he did, he came out okay. kicking and screaming. So I was, so okay, like, we're okay. good. I spent four days in the hospital. He spent five days in the hospital. They test- He being your son. My son. Okay. Uh, Logan. And they tested him for anything and everything. And the conclusion was it was a birth defect. Okay. So they're like, we're just going to monitor it. It's a brain bleed. It'll, it'll hopefully dissipate on its okay. own. So he was born November 18th at the end of December that year. He had an MRI and the brain bleed was dissipating. Doctors were happy with it. They said, why don't we start PT just to be safe? Mm-hmm. But you know, things are looking good. They didn't good. see anything on that scan. Okay. So then on March 8th of 2018, we had a follow-up three months, MRI. That's three yep. months roughly, yep. yep. He, was, he was about three and a half months old okay. at that time. They, he, we had a follow-up MRI and I, re, I remember it like yesterday. I imagine you the, do. We've been blessed to have pretty much all the same doctors we've had since the day he was born. So our oncologist, our neurosurgeon, our neurologist, our developmental pediatrician, all the same since day one. So when we went for the follow-up MRI on March 8th, we went to the doc, we went right to the doctor's office afterwards. And I remember, um, I remember he waited 
for the nurse to close the door before he said anything to us. Mm. And he had never done that before. And it's, see, it's so interesting what you notice in those situations. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Go, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You're fine. And he told us it was uh, a malignant brain tumor. And it took me a minute. Like malignant, is that cancer or not? It took right. me a minute, right? To, to kind of, and I was like, oh my gosh. And then honestly, the rest is like, just- Like, did you hear anything else? The rest like, is a blur, to be honest. It, the rest is a blur. I remember they brought us up to uh, one of the side rooms in the PICU, which is the pediatric yep. ICU. And I had a girlfriend that worked at the hospital. Another girlfriend came to see me. My my, my parents came. My, my husband's parents were in North Carolina. So they got in the car and just started driving up. And- uh, they, they told me that, you know, unfortunately they thought it was either uh, ATRT or a glioblastoma. glioblastoma yeah. And I had recently lost a very close friend to a glioblastoma like a few Which months earlier. Which are one of the most, if not aggressive the, brain tumors. Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they told us we're so sorry. There's, there's not much we can do. Then they asked us, when's the first time did he have a seizure? And I was like, he's never had a seizure. They're like, Really? And they had told us that if we would have waited a week later, it probably would have been too late. So I said- Now I saw the scan, by the way. I don't yeah. know where I saw it. You might've put it I somewhere. I think I posted it. And like, it's incredible when you look at the size. It was a third of the size of his head. I mean, it was just, I, I was like shocking. And so like, so my, when I, when I read things like this and I hear this story, I'm putting myself in, in that room and I have a nine-year-old boy and I'm, you know, I'm thinking to myself, if I hear that, I imagine things go kind of dark, kind mm-hmm. of like, it's like that in the movies where like the speech starts to and that's all you hear. Yeah. Like I'm imagining, I don't process it just yet. So what, they, they tell you that, what do you, what happens? So now you're with your husband, are you guys like, and when does it finally, like what, when does it hit you? And what is that like? Yeah, those I know are, it's like probably very hard to put into words, but I mean, I imagine it's just like everything's like destroyed. Yeah, in you, right? it's your your world changes in a split in second. In one, yeah. And my response to all of these negative um, discussions was, I didn't wait till I was forty to have my first kid for God to take him away. Right. So what figure are we going to do? What right. do we do to fix this? Right. This isn't a hey, we're so sorry. There's you nothing we be can like, do. Okay, there's nothing we no, can do. No, that that wasn't that wasn't an option. So they did a biopsy. They sent the biopsy to New York City, Boston, and Atlanta. Now I had been uh, with Aflac for about five years at this point. And Aflac sponsors Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, the Aflac uh, Cancer and Blood mm-hmm. Disorder Center. And so I had known Atlanta. I'd known Choa as we know it, right. not Atlanta. So they sent the biopsy out, and they had good results from Atlanta. And I'm like, oh, that's great. What do we do? They they're like, we're cautiously optimistic. That was that was their terms, mm. cautiously optimistic, because mm. they had diagnosed it at that point as a congenital glioblastoma. Which is one of the forms that has some hope to it. Correct. So to your point, glioblastomas are the most aggressive, deadly brain tumors. 
but being that it was congenital, being that he was born with it, it was more treatable. Correct. So for my listeners who are listening to me, I'm a neuroscientist <laughs> by training. So this is why I'm a little bit more understanding. I'm not just saying these things off the top of my head. I just had some context. Like what the, what the hell is Chris thinking? He knows. Just I know a little bit about these things. Sorry. Um, and to that point too, is that they don't, typically uh, brain tumors are treated with radiation yep. and they don't radiate under the age of three. Okay. So when they said they were cautiously optimistic, I was like, all right, let's go. Guns a blazing. And ironically enough, the doctor that they were communicating with in Atlanta was the same doctor I was connected oh, with that's so through, weird. Isn't that weird? Through through my people at Aflac. So weird. So you know it it, it was like the, it's like yeah it's our so, stories it's like sucks. it's it's like it's la- it's almost 100%. like it was laid there for you and you didn't even realize right I, I tell people all the time our our story sucks i wouldn't wish it on anybody but i'm a firm believer in everything happens for a for reason, reason yeah you know i uh, I'm, I'm with Aflac. I I sell cancer insurance for a living. It's what I do. I had the cancer. I added. This my, was before. Yeah, I added. So I added my son to all my Aflac policies, so, so and Aflac's hospital that they sponsor is the one that wrote my son's treatment plan. So I get chills every time I share that because I again it sucks, but I'm a firm believer, and everything happens for a reason. So then. They they then have a course that they say this is what we're gonna do, mm-hmm. and so that is I imagine I imagine it's chemo mm-hmm. to shrink it so yep. they could possibly then go in and excise it. Was Correct. that the okay. exactly exactly? Okay. So they the the plan was five aggressive rounds of inpatient treatment and then eight rounds of outpatient treatment in hopes that it would shrink. And after two rounds of chemo inpatient and actually shrunk in half, they were wow. very, very surprised how quickly it shrunk. And he, where was that here? Where was Albany that? Med. Everything was already met. So okay. that's, you know, again, we were so lucky they were able to do all the treatment here in Albany. We didn't have to travel. Okay. Um, that's the nice thing about right. pediatric cancer, I, right. I guess, is that, you know, all these hospitals talk, but you can have your treatment, you can have your you know, treatment where right. you are. Yep. So after two rounds of chemo, the, the tumor shrunk in half and Dr. Adamo, I'll name drop him. He's- Matt. Uh, Matt uh, worked in the same lab as me. He- I know Matt. By the way- walks on water. The thing about Matt, and this is, this is true for a lot of neurosurgeons, they are so oddly calm. It's I was like, just going to say, he's it's so like, humble. If you talk to them, they're just like, yes. So we're basically going to go in there. And it's like, dude. And like, you know, what I've learned about them is that they're so, their training is so extensive. And they're so, that to do what they do, you cannot be, you have to be <laughs> unflappable. Like you can't be in someone's head or spine and be like, whoa, and start freaking. So like, I know Matt and I, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining him having a conversation <laughs> right now. It's very- very, very soft. Very yeah, calm, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, well, it's it's funny you mentioned <laughs> the hands because the social worker watched one of the surgeries when he was, oh, you know, okay. extracting the tumor. And she's like, I just saw your kid's brain. And I was like, ah, don't tell me. But then I'm thinking like, how steady does this man's hands have to know. be? So he had um, the resection. So no, how long was that after everything started? So how long? So he was diagnosed March 8th in May. He had the, at the beginning of May, he had the first resection. Okay. And he was able to remove 50% of the tumor. Okay. And it was probably an eight hour surgery. So, okay. you know, pins and needles the whole right. time. Your son could bleed out. He could die on the table. He could be paralyzed. You know, all these right. additional worst case scenarios right. after you tell me. On top me. of the fact that he has this right. tumor. Yep. So- and 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 Dr. Adamo, he's so I want to I just want to say stoic because he's just yeah like he, and he when he, he comes, when he comes in, out of the operating room, I'm like, 
can you show me something, something with your face? I know, that's the thing. I don't you know. don't know what's going on. They and could then, be like the best thing in the world has happened and they look the same. And he pulls us into a side room. And at this point, it was so new. We had all our friends and family. There was probably at least 15, 20 people there with us. So we all, you know, come into this room and he's like, so I got half of it. He's doing great. He's moving all his extremities. And oh, I was like, God. so I'm just like bawling. Oh my God. So the next, and- Logan was actually the first uh, pediatric patient at Albany Med to have three EVDs, so the ex- external ventricle drains. Yep, okay. So it, what sucked was that this is my baby. He's yep. you know six months mm-hmm. old at this time, and I literally had to mm-hmm. clamp drains mm-hmm. in order to move him, mm-hmm. to hold him, to reclamp, to make sure everything was level. So just for everybody, a ventricular drain is something they put in as to offset swelling. It'll drain out into the ventricles, fill ventricles of the holes in your brain where fluid flows. And so when you have swelling and trauma, mm-hmm. it, okay. So mm-hmm. I just want to Thank you. No, got. that's great. So, so, okay. So that's, so they get half. Yep. Now it's not done obviously, because he nope. still has tumor in his brain. Yep. So Dr. Adamo came in the next day and said, okay, I want to go back in next week. And I looked at him and I go, are you a cowboy? Yeah, like what? Like, like what? Like last week you weren't sure, right. and like now. But maybe because they got us. And that's what he said. It, right? That's what he said. He said, "I know what it looks like now." He's like, "I know what I'm dealing with." Right. So it's always one thing to see something on film, right, mm-hmm. on a screen on an MRI. Mm-hmm. But I guess when they go in, okay. Correct. Yeah. All right. So he went back in a week later, and they were able to remove 45 percent. So they removed a total of 95 percent of the okay. tumor. The five percent he left was in the center of his brain. So they didn't want to do any. Further they didn't want to touch yet. that because I believe that is the memory bank, things, things like that. So he didn't want to touch that. And again, you know, the surgery again, we had to wait. He came out kicking and screaming. So he wasn't paralyzed. He didn't bleed out. So, so we, we, you know, did that, but he, we continued the additional three rounds of aggressive inpatient treatment to 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 get the rest correct. And he's, and then we did ended up doing six rounds of outpatient. We didn't have to do the full eight rounds because Dr. Weintraub, our oncologist, was part of a tumor board. And they're basically studying my son because I don't know if I mentioned this, he's number 87 or number 88 ever diagnosed with this particular type of tumor. So less than a hundred cases documented ever. And we've had great success. And, you know, a part of it, they attest because my husband and I wouldn't take no for an answer. So- I want to ask you about that, but before I do, so everyone can understand. So eventually, did they get it all? Like, did it to the point where it's like what they call remission and they don't see yep. it? So um, how long was that total? That total was it over a year from, so from he, when he was diagnosed to when they were like, no, it's gone. So he was diagnosed March 8th. And I personally, I look at it as the last day of treatment. So his last day of treatment and the day he got his port out was September 24th of 2018. Okay. So just about a year and a half, he went through treatment. So okay. he's been cancer and treatment free okay. since September of 2018. Wow. How, how did he do during the treatments? What was that like for it him? Was, was it awful. Like, it was terrible? It was awful. So he now has a feeding tube. Okay. After the second brain surgery, he stopped taking food by mouth. I think it's partially because of the brain injury, but I also think it's partially because the kid had chemo for the first year right. and a half and of his life and he just things. threw up. Yeah. So why would you want food near your right. mouth also? Right, right. So he's he's a little over five right now. So he's still a hundred percent tube fed. I mentioned, like I said, he does have a brain injury from where the tumor is right. or where the tumor was. Um, so it affected his left frontal lobe, which mm-hmm. typically affects your personality, mm-hmm. impulse control, um, feeding, speech. But I watched, I watched a couple of videos of him I'm sorry, like, I'm sorry. But like, I watched a couple of videos of him on, on like, 
laughing and crying and like <laughs> I'm like seeing him like my son I'm saying to myself like he's just a, he's just a boy like you know like he's just a kid and you can see his emotion and it's like yes he's gone through all this trauma and you're mentioning all the things he doesn't have but he's just you must like look at that and be he's like you know he's just sweet like you know he, yeah. he is a, he's a good kid he's it the I said the left frontal lobe affects your personality it did not affect my kid's personality at all he's right that's what I'm saying you can see it in, he's got such a mix of my husband and, my, and, and I I'm like an in your face type of person and my husband is laid back and chill and that's that's my kid my kid is totally chill and calm, but when he wants you to know something, he right. will tell you and he will kick and scream and fight, but he will still do it. What about verbally? Is he, how is that affected? I mean, I imagine, does he speak? Does so, he- so yeah. So they told us first that he wouldn't survive. They told us he would never walk. And I tell people he doesn't walk. He runs. <laughs> they told me, um, he would never talk and probably never eat a year and a half ago. The developmental pediatrician said, yeah, forget I told you he'd never talk. He knows all his shapes and colors. He can count to 20. Jeez. He can count backwards from 10. He knows the alphabet. He's now putting three to four words together. So now okay. he can communicate Good. a little better and say, I want. Oh, that's great. And tell us what he wants. That's great. He's got, you know, the, the biggest issue is the impulsivity. I mean, you can sure. see my hands, yeah. you know, he, yeah. he's an attack child, yeah. but he doesn't know any better. Right, exactly. And he's really trying and he's smart and he's a fighter right. and he doesn't give well, up. Well, he's like, he's like you, he's like his parents. So yeah. like, I want to talk to you about that. Yeah. So like, where does that come from? Do you, do you have, have you always been like that? Have you always been a fighter? Like, have you struggled? Like, have you been through struggle in your life? Or is it just like, you're just a mom in a moment where you're like, this is, I'm, this is my kid and I'm never going to give up. I often wonder when people are tested like that, like I put myself in that position, like different, but related. My my wife's mom passed very young and she had a sudden heart attack and she lived on, she was in the hospital for four months and we didn't know. And um, I, I I remember like you, you go through that, never, it's that like how, you, you often wonder like, what am I gonna do in that situation? How would I handle it? And when we were in that, it was it was awful, but like, you figure out a way to get through it. Do you think like anybody can do that or does it take a certain type of person? Like people hearing this are like, there's no way I can do it, but you're not in it, right? I guess when you're in it. Yeah, so I used to say that if it were your child, you would do the same thing, but unfortunately witnessing other families while we were fighting cancer, there was another little boy that was fighting cancer, a brain tumor as well that the family was never there. And he's uh, around my son's age and still can't even sit up on his own. Mm. So I used to say, yeah, you would do it too, but, but I, I don't know. Right. Yeah, either, you don't know, You either right? have it yeah. or you don't. Yeah. And again, you know, I, I didn't wait till I was 40 to have my first kid to have to, him to taken not, away. Right. And I also look at it as I was chosen for this journey, you know, because right. if I was 20 and had him, maybe I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what to do. Right. You know, I've had right. my life experiences. Yeah. I've lived my life. Yeah. So- so yeah, I've always been a type A type person, but as far as other travesties, like nothing. Just a regular, like just the struggles life, of normal life. Right? You know, right, yeah. dating horrible men and right. you know, All that job hopping, regular, but you know, right, right, whatever, right. that's life. Your husband, I want to talk to you about this because my wife and I, we've talked about like, I, you know, I watched her go through that terrible time and it affects your relationship mm-hmm. when this, something like this happens. And I can only imagine when it's your kid. Mm-hmm that it could do two things. It could completely drive you apart 
and make your relationship a mess and destroy that as well. Mm -hmm. And possibly if it took a terrible turn, maybe it would, but how did that, how was, how did that work out with your, I mean, you're still together with your husband, mm -hmm. but did it strengthen it? Did it, did you, was, was it difficult at that time to be in a, I mean, I imagine the only thing you're thinking about is your kid, right? So uh, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So the first few months it, we were each other's rock. You know, if I was upset, he would pull me up or if he was upset, I would pull him up. So we had that balance. But after that, he had to go back to work full time. Right. I was going to, yeah. So right. I was the one in you the were hospital. the one. You were in the trenches there. So yeah. it it did cause some friction. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember one evening Logan um, stopped tracking. the The chemo was working. He had a shunt, and the chemo was working. So the particles from the tumor clogged his shunt. Mm. So he stopped tracking, and I could tell. And I remember my husband and I got in a huge fight that night. And I was like, I don't want to talk to you. And then at like one o'clock in the morning, this happened. So I had to call him, and I was like, You need to come here now. Right. So, you know, even though like we had that right, friction, but that, that's it, still, we still yep. knew at the end of the day, our goal was to right. was you were to aligned help our in that. son. Right, yeah, right. it was definitely difficult. We we see counselor now, I yep. go, he goes, we yep. go together. Yeah. So it's definitely beneficial. We still have our moments. It's hard because I, you know, he is a full-time, he right, works full-time. Right, because full -time. It's, this, is, this is like a real, yeah. This, this and, is a, and, and our journey doesn't just end with, no. you know, him being cancer-free. He has no. a brain injury Correct. now. Like we have a, he can't do quote unquote normal things. And, right. I, and I don't like to compare, it's hard not to, but it's hard. And, and I think I joked in the book too, like, I don't know if I could handle the normal kid. Seriously, because my kid is so chill and laid back. Yes, he attacks me. Yes, I have to feed him via a feeding tube. No, he can't, you know, communicate and right. he can't talk to me, but he's super chill and right. he's fun. Right. right, yeah, yeah. Where I don't know if I could you have a regular five-year-old talking back to <laughs> oh me all the time. <laughs> yeah, I know you're right. It's true. <laughs> when you, you think know? about it, it's so true. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> what about last question? And before I talk about the foundation is like, you know, you're talk about like your support you had in the time because you know in hospital life is like a life mm -hmm. it's like a disastrous situation mm -hmm. um you know again we did it a different different story but what about support in all of that like you you had family you had people there for mm -hmm. you and how does how much did that matter and help you it was super helpful i would stay when logan was inpatient we literally lived at albany med for the better part of six months we were home maybe two weeks out of that six month period Jeez. And I would stay in the hospital during the week. My husband's mother would stay on the weekends. My mother- You would my, stay there. I lived in the hospital okay. with my son. And if you need help packing tips for the hospital, I got them <laughs> you for got you. got it. <laughs> um, so I would stay during the week. My husband's mother would stay on the weekends with my husband's dad. And then my mom and my father would rotate. And I had friends here and there. We limited it. We only had a couple of other people in addition because he was getting chemo and he right, was constantly right, right. immunocompromised. You, right. you want to get infections so we really stuff. kept yeah. you know, our circle really close. Even when we came home, even when he went through the outpatient treatment, our circle was extremely, extremely close. So during COVID, that was nothing for us, right? Like been there, done that. You're like, yeah, we, we can do this. Quarantine, we got Did this. Did he have certain restrictions though or for COVID? You know, like is he, was he considered like in a higher risk or no? Like So no. So the good thing with Logan is now he sees a regular pediatrician and the constant reminder that I get from Dr. Weintraub is that he's just a regular kid. He's just kid. a regular kid, right. So it's he's all straight. caught up. He, right, he's correct. all caught up on all his, you know, regular immunizations, which obviously had to stop during treatment, but he's all caught up and, you know, he's a normal he's a kid by all, by all those medical yep, standards. Yep. So the foundation, so when did you start the foundation? 
right in the middle of treatment. Was? Why not? Is that really when it was? <laughs> yeah. So he was diagnosed March of 2017, finished treatment in September of 2018. I started, we started the foundation in January of 2018. Jeez. And so, was that just like, be, like you're just, were on this mission to like, you know, like I have to be able to help or, or like if other people are going through this, I need to somehow like lend to that I've experience. always been a giver. Um, I... I'm in Rotary and our first Rotary yeah. project 11 years ago was the bins of fun for Albany Med. Okay. So we would donate bins of toys to the Melody Center. And I remember being in PICU one day and, and Rob Saba, who works at the Albany Med Foundation came in and he's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, that's my kid. He's like, what? So it was like a full circle thing. And I've always been a giver. I've always given back. And there's fantastic local childhood cancer organizations here in our area and nationally. But going through it, I, I, I found things that were missing. Right, right. Um, you were there. Right. You, so, you saw. so simple things like bracelets. We provide bracelets to our families for fundraising. Okay. Simple fundraiser and huh. it brings awareness. Cool. That's right? cool. They can yep. sell them for a dollar, five dollars, yep. whatever they want. Yep. We, give, we give them 500 bracelets, do whatever you want with them. Okay, cool. Part of the mission with the foundation is not just providing for the families, but also raising awareness because, you know, there's other cancers that mm -hmm. get more mm -hmm. attention. Yeah, of course. And yeah. my philosophy, obviously not only because it's my child, but my philosophy is, you know, if if we can heal these kids, maybe they can be the ones in the future right. to heal us all. To heal us all, right. Yeah. So so we do t-shirt fundraising campaigns for our kids. We provide gas carts. We provide um, food gift cards. To the families. To the families. We also. And what can they? What do they do? Can, do they reach out? Do they like apply for it? Like, what is the process? So basically, yep. So we typically work with Melody Center at Albany Med. Okay. We do have some families, you know, through our own personal networks on the board. Like okay. right now, we're helping a, a kid in Florida, um, a friend of a friend. Okay. In Florida, we've helped somebody in Texas, but that's all you know, through networking. But primarily, we get our families through Albany Med. We get a, a, a statement from the child life specialist saying, hey, this child was just diagnosed. I see. They need this they and need this. this and that. Okay. So when we get that, we send you that family okay, I see. an application for our services nice. along with gift cards. Okay. Um, and if they want our services, they fill out the application. We do the bracelets, the t-shirt fundraising campaigns. We give them more gift cards if that's what they need. We also do an Amazon wish list. Oh, okay. So oh, the, that's cool. Yeah. So the family or the children can just go on and say, you know, I need new toys or I need new clothes or whatever the case may be. Sometimes we've, we've done for families sometimes have to go to New York city for treatment. So on that wish list, mm. they'll put a comforter or lights to make their room look nice right, right, or right. whatever they need to help comfort them during that's, their time. That's, that's And do you have these little fundraising, do you have like a fundraiser, a big one that you do, or do you do little activities here and there? Like what, what, what our biggest it? fundraiser is our golf tournament in September. Okay. So this year it's September 19th at the fairways of half moon. Okay. We have a couple of fundraisers throughout the year. Our next one we have coming up is we are, um, part of the Albany lacrosse game on April 30th. So there's a link actually on our Facebook page to purchase tickets for that. We just get money okay. back from the tickets. And then in May, we do our walk for the kids that can't. 
So September is Childhood Cancer Awareness Month, which is why we yep. do the golf tournament. And yep. then May is Brain Tumor Awareness okay. Month. So both, so you do them both, in both those? Yep, both corresponding and with Logan. the website, where can people go if they want to just see more, want to donate, or want to find out more about Loganstrongfoundation.org. it? Loganstrongfoundation.org. Loganstrongfoundation.org. And there's a Facebook page as Correct. well? Correct. Okay, yep. all right, cool. And so I do want to make mention, too, the other thing we do for the kids, and I, we give no-touching signs. They're no-touching, your germs are too big for me. Oh, that's so there's signs that we give to the families because when the kids are on chemo, right, and you, you right, don't want to be still, touched, right? And they're still, kids. and especially like with us, we had a baby. Like everybody wants to touch the baby, right. and it's like, stay away from get my away, kid. don't touch. I don't want your germs. Don't touch. And then we also give, we call them ochos. They're crocheted octopi, so it's a little crocheted octopus. And somebody sent one to Logan when he was going through treatment, and he just fell in love with it. Mm. So it's one of our trademarks that's that we thing. do. That's cute. They're actually designed for children in, in NICU, for babies in NICU, because the they symbolize the umbilical cord. Oh. So I actually have one on my desk because it's just calming. That's so I should have brought one. They're, they're adorable. So if any crocheters are out there and want to knit an octopus, I'll give you the pattern. That is so interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we that, love those. That's cool. That's yeah. cool. I want to actually look that up. That's a cool yeah. concept. That's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, before, before we go, I want to ask you about like, your life post, like, do you, like, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this and you have your phone next to you and you said to me, I need to keep my phone here, you know, mm-hmm. how are you in that world and in, in your mental health space after this? It's like a traumatic event and mm-hmm. it's like post-traumatic stress. Mm-hmm. Do you, are you anxious about it? Like, do you, I mean, one of the things I remember that came from um, this, this trauma with my wife is that this, this idea that at any given time, something can disappear mm-hmm. or something can go. And like, you think about that in life, but you don't ever think about it until mm-hmm. something like that really happens to you and it jars you. Yeah. Do you struggle with that now? And oh, like, yeah. what do you do to try to help offset that? Yeah. We we still try to look at the positive, right? Yep. We still try to look at him as a normal, like how far normal you've come child. Yeah, yeah. You know, he has graduated to annual MRIs, which is huge. And she said in a couple of years, it'll be every other year, which is which would be like, crazy. And, and I notated in my book too, like I felt like living in the hospital was easier than not because you always had these people to help you. And That's now true. Right. it's just my husband and I and right. you know, people just, here yep. and there. Yep. But yeah, I mean, the PTSD is real. If I get a call from school, my son got COVID um, in February. We kept him safe for two years and all of a sudden we have no idea how he got it. So like my anxiety was high. Yeah. It's just like extra. But sensitive. he was literally fine right, within 24 fine. hours. Right, right. Like yeah, it was totally like, fine. Like, yep. But your anxiety is higher. Or if he has a stomach bug, we have to be very careful to keep him hydrated because he's only he's 100% tube fed. So if he has a stomach oh. bug and he's throwing up, we typically have to go to the hospital because he has to get on IV fluids. Right. Because that's the only nutrition Correct. he has. So as, as, as normal as things are, there's still exceptions to the rule. Mm-hmm. So- I'm very cautious. Like, yes, he's at mm-hmm. school right now. So I'm like, okay, yeah. all right, we're good. Yeah. Yeah. I always just try to make sure like if I'm not with him right. or if my husband's not that with somehow him. somehow there's a connection there Somebody or can get like a that. hold of me. Yeah, and, yeah. And I don't know if that's just a, you know, I'm sure it's a typical parent thing, but right, but it's I, it is, amplified but like, it's with, got, with him. It's gotta be just extra more than that. Yeah. I mean, like I, I have to imagine that. Like, yes, like, you know, before this interview, I, I was, my phone was in there and I grabbed it because they would typically call me, but that's just because like of being a parent. But I think there's that, there's an extra layer that, that, that is there for you 
You know, right? That, like he's got a feeding right, extra, tube. If correct. his feeding tube falls things, out, correct. If it doesn't go back in, right. I, I you know, totally, within a certain amount of time, can, he's got to go get surgery. So I, I have to make sure I'm available. Total, makes total sense. Um, on this show, we talk to a lot of people about the things in life and their business that they've run into that they've had to overcome, and. Every single thing that we've talked to and talked to people, not to discount anyone's struggle. Sure. Everyone's struggle is their own. Agreed. And there's no way to really quantify what that means to you individually, right? This is something on its face that is clearly a struggle that is a very rare one, is a very traumatic one. Um, and so it puts a lot of things in perspective. And I'm sure you're asked this a lot. Um, if somebody is struggling or they're going through something that seems really daunting, seems like, I don't think I can do this. What what do you say to them? What, what, what are some uh, like words from someone that's so strong that has pulled through something like this or gotten yourself to this point at least? What, what, what do you say to people like that? First, you just have to survive the moment, right? You just have to breathe mm-hmm. and accept what's happening and, and, and figure it out. If you got to cry, if you have to scream, if you have to shut down for a day Whatever or two, it is you do what do. it is, what you have to do. Then take a step back, figure out what's needed, Yep. you know, and yep. then figure it out, face it, put your big girl panties on right, and just and do, do it. what you got to do, do. What you gotta do because you're the, you're the only you you're ever going to have. Right. So how you face that and how you overcome right. it is, is what you have and to so do. You, you never let anyone tell you, despite how much they said, no, 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 it can't, no. it can't, it can't. You were just like, sorry. The worst case until scenario. This, until that day happens, nope. there, exactly. there's no way you're going to get rid of me. Yep. And I think that, that that's got to be it, especially with something when it's like that. Yep. The worst case scenario was never an option. Right. Because in the end, so like, so what? You're either going to give it your best or you're going to do tr- try everything. Because if you're telling me it's going to go there, well, why the hell not should I try to do everything right. possible? Right. Right. What's the downside right. to that? Right. And that's what that is. It's like that really strong determination. You got to be able to do it. Um, so I have the book right here. Um, I know you can get it on Amazon. Where else can we find the book for people that are local? Maybe they, they can find it. Yeah, locally right now, it's available at Life Made Simple Boutique in Burnt Hills. I am trying to work with other local bookstores, but right now that's where it is. And then Amazon, of course. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank um, you. I mean, I, 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 I was... When Sharon here at Over It, she was telling me about this story. I started to researching it. I always put myself in these situations, and like, I it's I find I'm like it's hard for me even to imagine. So like, like for everything that you thank have you. done and continue to do for your son, like it's amazing. So thank you, thank you so much for coming I in today. It. No Thanks problem. for having me. Thank you. 